my whole aim in life is to never get outside that sort of top three famous Belfast actors um, list because are there rankings that move around? Do you like check the current rankings day by day? Yeah, it's usually, you know, between Liam Neeson and me hopping back and forth, depending on what releases we have, you know. Um, but if I drop out of that top three, I'm screwed because that is how they cast movies. You know. <laughs> Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. I'm Josh Horowitz. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, it's Jamie Dornan in a special Rewind episode of Happy, Sad, Confused, from Fifty Shades of Grey to Belfast and so much more. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me as always. This is a bonus episode of Happy, Sad, Confused. If you're watching on YouTube, you see my adorable dog, Lucy, in the background. She's a big fan of Jamie Dornan's. Everybody is. We thought with the new film out on Netflix getting a bajillion views, Heart of Stone, the big ginormous action spy thriller with Gal Gadot uh, and Jamie Dornan. It was a great opportunity to bring back this conversation with Jamie on the podcast feed and on YouTube if you're watching for the first time making this video available for everybody. Very few people have seen the video form of this conversation. So finally, once and for all, you can enjoy this long form chat with the delightful Jamie Dornan. This is a great career chat. It is obviously, as I said, it's a rewind episode, so taped way before the strike. This was in fact taped about a year and a half ago when Belfast was on everybody's mind, that delicious performance in that great film from Kenneth Branagh. Uh, we talk a lot about Belfast, Katrina Balfe, um, Jamie's beginnings, the actors he came up with from Eddie Redmayne to Andrew Garfield, Fifty Shades of Grey, that time he almost got in there to play Superman. Um, it's a great chat with one of my favorites, the delightful Jamie Dornan. Um, and like I said, it felt like a good opportunity to revisit a rare long-form conversation with Jamie while you're all binging his latest giant action movie on Netflix, Heart of Stone. Um, before I toss to the main conversation, remember, review, rate, subscribe to Happy, Sag, and Fuse wherever you get your podcasts, on Spotify or wherever. If you're on YouTube, click on that like, subscribe button. Make sure you don't miss a chat. We've got a great one coming up later this week. I'll say it right now. We have David Harbour coming up in a brand new conversation that's fantastic. Um, lots more coming in the future weeks. Filmmakers. Um, and hopefully some actors when we get into festival season. The SAG strike continues as we tape this, but we ho we're hoping there's some dispensation for actors to do some press um, in particular circumstances. So anyway, let's get to the main event. For those that never have heard or seen this conversation, this is a good one with um, one of the most charming Irish gentlemen I know. Please enjoy my conversation circa January 2022 with the one and only Jamie Dornan. Finally, at long last, Jamie Dornan. Jamie, I don't know what, I guess it's, this is the price you pay for being in a classy movie is you finally have to do the podcast. Welcome to Happy Sad Confused, buddy. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> he is uh, well hydrated. He just showed off his four chocolate biscuits that I've never, I've never wished my hand could reach through the screen more than right now. I'm going to start with the first chocolate biscuit right now. <laughs> Are you one of these people that just genetically can eat anything they want and that they will never put on the weight? Um, good, good, good call on shoving a biscuit in your mouth as a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we're off. <laughs> 
Um, I'm someone who would struggle to put on weight. Um, and uh, I know to many people that's not um, an affliction. <laughs> but, but I find it to be um, having someone who always always played a lot of sport, particularly as a kid, and often played, you know, my main sport was rugby, where you needed to be bigger, and I always felt like the skinny kid who couldn't do it, even though I played well, but I um, always felt that was holding me back. So it's always bothered me that um, I can't put on weight, and I'm still a bit like that now. I um, I, think, I guess most, not most people, 99.9% right. people find it very lucky to have fast metabolism stuff, and I've always not liked it. Well, I, I, look, I'll take any kind of um, self-loathing I can get. I mean, if it just if it's the other direction for me, that's okay. As long as there is loathing and and a feeling of inadequacy, then then I'm good. Yeah, good. Well, then you're covered with this. <laughs> so, um, congratulations on Belfast for the gajillionth time. Um, I assume this doesn't get old, but uh, look, you've been in every kind of project, every kind of reviews in your career, every kind of like good, bad, medium accolades. But this is the one that I feel like you know, we're, we're always chasing. Actors are always chasing. This is the one that like really checks all the boxes. Does it feel like in some ways this is kind of like, oh yeah, this is what I've been kind of like racing after for, for 15, 20 years. Yeah, sort of, you know, it's kind of like, um, you sort of don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, look, it's easy to say that in the light because of the response, but like, yeah, let's look at it like from the beginnings of like the origins of it, like being sent the script and told it's kind of, Brana writing and directing it. It's Dame Judy Dance is playing your mother, Kieran Hines playing your dad, Katrina Bath is playing your wife. Um I only knew about one of them. I only knew about Judy Dench at the beginning when it came to me. That alone is enough to be like, oh Jesus, you know, this this might be something, you know. Hopefully it is. The script's incredible. If we get this right, it could really be something. But even then, you never know. You know, I've had situations where I felt brilliant about something on set and then, you know, it hasn't had it had love, but maybe not the love we were expecting, whatever it is. So with um, with hindsight, maybe it's easier to say because there has been so much love for this. But, um, you know, I, I've always, you know, it, it, your job is so much easier if you've got good words to say and a good director. I mean, it's as simple as that, you know, and um, I feel that that's what's happened here, you know. Um, and it's happened a few times before for me, but, you know, I think... I always kind of live by that Peter O'Toole quote of great words, make great actors, you know, and, yep. and I think if you've got to a certain level, you're obviously got something to offer. And then so that when, and then when those good opportunities come your way, you know, you, you, you take them and, and hope that people respond. Well, and as you well know, it's so much is out of the control, even if you make the great film that you're so proud of for okay. any number of a thousand reasons, the wrong distributor, the wrong time, whatever, no one ever sees it. So like, again, this one just thankfully resonated, resonated at the festivals, found an audience, continues to find an audience. So it's just blessing upon blessing, I would think. Yeah, it was just a combination of all those things and timing being everything and, and yeah. your timing being everything from, you know, even as simple as like me being Ken, the lockdown happening and him giving, giving him the space to write a story that's, based on his life that's been in his head for 50 years and me being the right age and at the right stage in my career, whatever that I made sense, you know, all those things, you know, it's all, it's about all of that. You know, I'd be, if I was in between ages for the characters in this and I saw that this was made, I'd be like, Oh, how annoying. They're making a, a movie right. about me 
hometown and I'm not right for it, you know. So it's a combination of all that luck and timing, but it's 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 a good feeling. Is the rumor true that that Ken just basically Googled Belfast actor and your your name just happened to pop up? <laughs> it is uh, true, yeah. Um, as my whole you know um, aim in life is to never get outside that sort of top three famous Belfast actors um, list because. Are there rankings that move around? Do you like check the current rankings day by day? Yeah, it's usually, you know, between Liam Neeson and me hopping back and forth, depending on what releases we have, you know. Um, but if I drop out of that top three, I'm screwed because that is how they cast movies. You know? <laughs> Do you, is it is it poor form or, we, or a weird thing to ask a director, like, why you cast me? What did you see in me? What did you want <laughs> for me? Is that is that Not for me? It's sort of question I ask every single director. Um, uh, for, particularly for someone like Ken, because when I was said, like, he wants you to, he's making a film called Belfast, he'd love you to uh, do it. Um, we're going to send you a script tonight, uh, read it as fast as you can. Whatever. I read it that night, spoke to Ken the next day, said yes immediately. And um, I, for that sort of thing, because it's kind of brown, and we're talking about, you know, an absolute legend in the industry and stuff, I, there is a part of you thinking, like, is this some sort of mistake? Does he think I'm somebody else? Um, and then, because it was really like he wants you to, you're the guy, like he's not talking to anyone else. Okay. And then I sort of read the script thinking, how small is this part going to be? I mean, this is going to be <laughs> the next thing, right? Yeah. You know, and by the way, would have been fine with that. Sure. Um, and then I realized how big it was. I'm like, Jesus, right? Okay, this is serious. And then, to my utter amazement, Ken had seen everything I'd ever done. And I mean, small stuff that you, know, you probably haven't even seen, like everything. And uh, still wanted me after seeing the <laughs> stuff. So um, I was amazed by the whole thing, but um, thank God he, he, he did. Um, I talked to your buddy, Katrina Balf on the podcast pretty recently. I asked her a version of this that I'll ask you. Uh, you know, as people know by now, I'm sure, this is obviously a very personal story for Ken and based on his own life growing up, his parents. Um, when you're approaching the father character, is it is it a blend of his dad, what's in the script, your own father, um, and where that they all meet? Give me a sense of sort of the, that, that kind of magical blend. Yeah, I think it is ends up being you know a sort of um, an Irish stew of different influences, um, but it really does essentially boiled. I've got to get off. Uh, cooking analogies, but it goes boiled down to... Um, You've got three more it's waiting for you. You're really <laughs> the very root of that, um, Stu, is um, is the script. You know, that is that is what that is all we have um, to go on to begin with, and then everything's built around that and, and your own influences. And certainly my dad was an influence on, on the character I played and his dad before him and everything I knew about. I come from a long line of men from Belfast, so um, I have a lot to, to mine there. Um, and then it's, uh, you know, the access to Ken to be, you know, to be able to ask him what his father would have, how he would have responded in this situation. And then the great thing about it, and I'm sure, uh, you know, Katrina said the same, was that Ken was never trying to sort of iron fist us into kind of like this is who my parents were you must act like this it was very much giving us the freedom to do what we wanted to with it and that is a massive thing josh like that is so huge as an actor like it's all you're all you're looking for really i believe is to feel 
that you're trusted. And with that trust, you gain a confidence and a freedom that makes doing your job so much easier. Like it's, it's night and day between I've been involved in stuff where I have felt the opposite of that. I felt that there's lots of people whispering behind thinking they made a bad decision and I shouldn't be there. And it is uh, paralyzing that experience, truly paralyzing. And, and I will- well, yeah. I was going to say, I, I would imagine it's because because that version of it that you didn't have is like you're chasing something unattainable, something, a vision in someone else's brain that can't yeah. be communicated. And yeah. at least in this kind of collaborative um, relationship, it's it, you're a part of the process as opposed to like guessing at what someone wants uh, and yeah. isn't seeing. Exactly. I think you said it well, like fighting against something or fighting against an opinion of a director, fighting against a script, fighting against uh what the character's doing and or you know how how what your um take on it can sometimes be very different to the filmmakers take even though that's not what seemed to be before you started shooting right. you know, and stuff but it was just very cohesive this whole thing for we all felt like we were uh in tune with each other at all times the actors all of them and 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 ken it was just always very like there's zero friction on set at any given time and that your your whole experience and usually the outcome is going to be better if that's the case. You, you mentioned your dad and you, you know, you, you, you've been frank about this and talking about, uh, you know, my condolences, man, you lost your dad last year. I know. I mean, I know what that's like. I lost my dad uh, the year before um, and it's, uh, you know, a sea change, needless to say. I'm, I'm curious in talking in talking about him in this process, has it been cathartic? Has it been helpful? Or, or it could go the other way, I suppose. But clearly, it's 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 helping you in some way. Yeah, I think it has been. Um, I've probably stopped crying during Q and A so much now. Um, uh, when we first took it to Telluride, uh, and we got such an unbelievable initial response to the film, and it was just Ken and I then, Katrina. Uh, had just had her baby and uh, Kieran and Judy hadn't traveled over yet and Judy wasn't around. It was so it was just the two of us and we had a lot of <laughs> between Ken and I we both cried at every single QA we did. Um but often it, for me it was almost always you know related to, to dad and and the pain of him not being able to see this film but also the comfort of knowing that he I was making it I was making it with the people I was making it with and all the hope that he would have had and that he did have for that. Um, yeah, I definitely think it's been cathartic and 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 in a way helpful to be bringing this film of all films out and to be talking about it so much in in the in the passing months uh, after we've lost them. But you know that that you know as well as anyone, the grieving process is um, unpredictable. Yeah. And um, I've been through. I lost my mom when I was young, and I've been through it before. But I'm a different. Of different age and stage and a father myself obviously now and it it changes everything also because of the circumstances of covid and i didn't hadn't seen my dad since christmas 2019 because of restrictions and and um and uh we haven't been able to you know have a we haven't had a funeral for my dad yet you know yeah. we're, we're, we're uh 10 months um uh exactly now so um it's 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 diff, it, it's difficult to sort of contextualize how I'm dealing with it or what it is, but I think it's probably only been a good thing that I'm able to talk about a movie that would be so close to my dad because of where he was from and who he was, but also have that movie 
<laughs> had the response to that movie. You know, if I was sitting doing some movie that, um, you know, in the, in, the, in the passing months and year after his death, that I was having to front up and do press all the time for something that was getting destroyed and had uh, no significant meaning to him, it would be a very different story. Sure. Well, let's talk about some of your uh, lovely co-stars because you, you, you were gifted with an amazing ensemble here. You've mentioned them all already. Um, anybody that knows me knows I positively adore Katrina Balfe. She's the best. Yeah. Um, surprised to hear when I was researching today that you got your, your paths never crossed. You didn't get that Outlander audition, man. You weren't in the top uh, three there. No, I was, uh, they, they typed in top three Scottish famous actors, I think, for that one. And Sam, Sam's probably up there, yep. uh, you know, besides Sean Connery somewhere, um, who was too old at the time of the beginning of that. To, it would have been a choice. It would have been interesting. Yeah. An 80 year old Sean Connery. Yeah. Um, I don't kill me. I've yet to see Outlander too. I've never seen it. Um, so I feel, I feel bad. I don't, Katrina had never seen the fall until we were, what, until we were shooting. So we, we weren't, we're not big fans of each other. So. <laughs> but you know, if, if the only thing I obviously will see some of Katrina's work, but in a lovely way, all I know of Katrina Balfe as an actor is in Belfast where she gives one of the most stunning performances I've seen. So it's, a, it, for my money, she's like the best actor in the world. Um, but yeah, you know, she was just, what can I say about Katrina? I mean, she's a powerhouse, you know, um, she is, but she brings such a, a, a lightness in her, in her human interaction and the way she is naturally, but then has this, absolute steeliness and grit yes you can just switch to you know and you you can become fearful of her very quickly <laughs> and that is a massive um gain doing this for a living you know for her to have that in her armory is incredible and i've said this before but if i could do every job with katrina balf my my career would be um i'd be really happy and uh you know you know i don't i don't i feel like the work would always be good and would always have a good time, you know, but it's incredible. We've had a, we do have a very similar background, you know, and we both are people from the same part of the world, a tiny part of the world who went off and were modeling in, in mostly in New York and uh, for, you know, pretty much at the same time, there's maybe she was two years ahead of me, probably. Um, I, I, we did meet at TIFF. We met at TIFF about three years ago. Uh, we both had different films there and we met, we were introduced very quickly. And uh, I remember thinking, God, she's tall and I couldn't work with her based on her height. Um, not that I'm short, but she's very tall. She's no, it's annoying. And I was so wrong, you know. Um, but uh, Well, it's big of you to look past that um, yeah, impediment. You know, yeah, that was obviously when I heard that it was going to be her, I was a bit, like, bit tall. We'll <laughs> <laughs> let her go, she's good at acting. But... Um, yeah, it's crazy. Our past. I remember hearing that there was a model from Monaghan uh, who was like had lots of similar uh, friends to me in New York and stuff, and I I sort of just didn't believe it, and for whatever reason we never crossed paths. And 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 which of the three Fifty Shades films is Judy Dench's favorite? Did she tell you how she ranks them? She liked she liked uh, Freed because she just said she was happy it was over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by all accounts, I've only talked to Judy Dench, I think, once in, in my illustrious career, and it was very briefly, but by all accounts, she's she's the best. She's like just disarms you and is just like comes to play. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Those two things are perfectly put, you know, and it's really lovely as an actor. I was not a young actor anymore, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm younger than Judy um, to have someone like that, someone so iconic to see the way she approaches it, which is to, you know, have done all the work, but leave it behind and be totally relaxed on set we're all shitting ourselves to a point obviously anyway but like but trying to keep yourself as relaxed as possible it's much easier to act if you're if you're relaxed and um to see someone like judy being like that and be in the middle of a story when someone shouts turnover and to then fall in line beautifully between action and cut and then as soon as you hear cut go back to telling your story you know like it's like that is that is 99% uh, of actors I work with are like that, but sometimes you'll see someone who has um, quite a, a more of a methodical approach maybe right. and to the point where you're going, should I be banging my head against the wall like that and making those noises? Am I, sorry, is it, will that help me? And then you see someone who's not doing that who's of that caliber and you think, no, it's okay. What yeah. works for me seems to work and it's working for her and we're all good. Now, not to say that every person's life uh, and childhood is worthy of a film, but I'm curious, if you look back at your own childhood, what genre of film is the Jamie Dornan adolescent story? Is it, is it comedy? Is it horror? Is it uh, an erotic thriller? What are we, what are we looking at? <laughs> um, I think it's probably some kind of... Um, family comedy um it's probably my dad was a huge steve martin fan and the only time we went to cinema trips as a family was to see exclusively to see steve martin movies so in my head it's like a sort of family drama with steve martin type vibe you know like a like a parenthood type thing where um i actually remember watching parenthood a lot as a kid and um going to see it in cinema and one of the kids, uh, I think I'm right in saying he was asthmatic and um, uh, I was asthmatic and I still am asthmatic. And I remember sort of really identifying with him. Uh, There's another kid who was really, he used to like put a bucket over his head and bash it against the wall and stuff. And I think I had a bit of that sort of hyper in it. I was very hyper as, as a kid, but well behaved, I think. But like I had a lot of energy. Still, I have a lot of energy and I'm not good with being still. Um, so I think it was probably, yeah, I'm going to say like a Steve Martin family comedy type type vibe. Um, well, it's good to know that, that that you had good taste running in your blood from the start. And that gives us a good segue into, I, I do want to talk a little bit about formative films for us. And this wasn't necessarily one you saw as an adolescent, but mm -hmm. it is a comedy. And when yes. I asked you for a comfort movie, I don't, I don't know what's in the air, by the way, Jamie, but we are on, a, on an Adam McKay kick. I just spoke, um, who was the actor that just uh, uh, chose... Um, 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 the most recent one, not, oh my God, I'm totally blanking. Uh, not Vice, not, oh, it was The Big Short. Someone chose The yeah. Big Short, it'll come to me. But anyway, you chose a different Adam McKay film, more traditional uh, 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 comedic variety of Adam McKay. Tell us what you chose and why. I chose Anchorman uh, because I think if you really like tallied it up, it's probably the film I've seen most in my life. Um, 
which is saying something because it was probably you know I was in my twenties when when it was when it was made. Um, it was just at a particular time in London when I, I hadn't just moved to London, but you know I'd been in London a while and that had come out and it had a big impact on me and I I still think it's kind of perfect. But there was a particular time I honestly I put it on every day. I mean I really did, and it's like. It became like a language and you could communicate through quotes from Anchorman. Right. But remember, there's a real, a particularly real, like, uh, sweet spot of that where you'd meet people in different, wherever you were in the world, and something would happen and someone would say, hey, lady in the red hat or, or something, or like, <laughs> oh, milk was a bad choice, or, you know, just some unbelievable line from that movie. And then you're in, it's like, it was like a conversation starter. and. There's so much collective love for that film, and um, you know, and then everyone had an opinion on the sort of the the sort of lost movie that they made up out of outtakes and stuff that right. they had hands on once, and then of oh, should there be an Anchorman two and and all of that, and once there was that, did we think that they should have made that? All of that, you know, stuff around that movie. Um, so for me, I, I, I would still, if it, it's a bit of a go-to for me, if I just don't know what I want to watch and not in the mood to tackle anything new and not in the mood to tackle anything heavy, I will take it on. You're also getting those guys in their absolute pump, not that they're not still doing brilliant work. In fact, sure. we just finished The Shrink Next Door, which has obviously yep. Paul Rudd in it, who are both an anchorman. But there's, it feels like anchorman just came at a time when they were just just every beat they did was like hilarious you know um well it is it is it's i think it's interesting because when you look back i think it was the big it was a big shift for rudd um yeah. certainly that started like a run of comedy for him but for for, for ferrell and I, I you'll find no bigger fan of will ferrell he just makes me laugh he's just like the funniest human on the planet and he his specialty i would argue is the confident idiot and there's no greater just like bombastic yeah. idiot yeah. Than Ron Burgundy. It is just oh. Apex Will Ferrell. Totally, totally. It was Apex Will Ferrell. And also Christina Applegate. Oh my God. Like for me, her performance is just like, I, well, I would say that the casting in general in that film is so perfect. But she has so many moments with Will Ferrell, as we've said before, in his absolute pomp, where my, my takeaway is, is what she's doing often in, well, in yeah, and she's, her she, reaction to some of that ridiculousness that he's doing is just priceless and i i will I, I love her for that and you know i just think the collective of those actors of the news team you know um like we, we didn't know that much about steve carell then no sure and brick oh my god brick's an all-timer brick is that, well, like you know genius the way he formed that character you know totally i mean how many quotes of brick do we have you know it's, well, is there one scene it's hard to pick because there, there are dozens in there is there one scene that sticks out for you it's very hard to look past the you know uh 60 of the time it works every time scene with the with the cologne and um more <laughs> than that um i think that's a you know probably my favorite moment i love um uh the the fight, the the initial fight from Vince Vaughn and and the you know, take your mother out for a nice seafood dinner. Just you can tell those guys are just riffing. And I've seen 
stuff where behind the scenes stuff where Adam McKay is literally shouting out lines to them and they're just and you know and that, that it's amazing to see that and just aid them not to crack up when they hear those lines and still deliver them the way they do i experienced that a bit when we did barb and star sure golden vista del mar which will ferrell um uh produced and adam mckay produced um and josh greenbaum our director now who's an absolute legend uh we did a bit of that we did a lot of improv in that uh, movie as you can probably tell and um and we did scenes like that where josh was just shouting out stuff and half the battle was just like <laughs> taking it in for a second and then like refocusing Literally, and then, like yeah. don't 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 make eyes with Kristen and Annie just don't don't <laughs> fucking you know cast their eye right now let's just try to try to take it on and then breathe and then get that line out yep. if you can there was a lot of that so I've, I've, I'm so lucky I feel that I've got to experience a sense of what that is you know and uh, it's an amazing feeling I got a chance finally to catch up with Kristen after a long while and profess my love for that film. You know how obsessed I am <laughs> with it. Um, so that must, I mean, now knowing how much you revere that kind of comedy and that uh, an Anchorman in particular um, must feel all the more satisfying that you're in one of those movies now. You, you get that sense already that this has become an instant cult classic. Yeah, and I'm just, you know, trying not to like, text Kristen and Annie every day to tell them to write a uh, uh, sequel. Um, that's your mind's me, I need to text them to tell them to write a sequel. But yeah, we did a Q&A virtually, of course, um, at some point when Barbara Star came out and Will, Will, <laughs> calling Will, I literally haven't met the guy, but Will Ferrell um, compared it. And I really had a moment of going like, this is nuts. Like, this is nuts to, for, also it's my first comedy to be surrounded by such esteemed company and such titans and geniuses of comedy. Um, and I remember thinking that a tactic of mine with that, um, with that um, interview should be not to speak. <laughs> <laughs> don't screw it up for you in the future just, just <laughs> do not speak blame blame a dodgy wi-fi connection or something or just go guys i'm sorry I'm, i can't hear you but i'm i'll just you guys are great. <laughs> um but i you know because i just thought oh my god like it's one thing you know i i, I had time with Kristen and annie um to build a relationship with them where they let me in and they let me in really quickly, thankfully, and they find me funny and I find them obviously hilarious. And, but suddenly Will Ferrell was in this um, thing and I was like, oh shit, right, he's not gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna try to make him laugh, you know. But um, yeah, what a treat and, and, and to experience that at that level with those people. And I really do truly hope we get to make more of those movies. They're so fun. I really hope so as well. Just for the record, my, my brain freeze I want to account for. It was John Cena of all people that chose the big short as his comfort movie. Oh, really? That's kind oh. of fascinating, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm curious. Okay, so going back uh, career-wise, um, we're not going to detail every facet of the illustrious modeling career, but I'm curious, once you segue out of modeling um, into acting, and I you know, I think Marie Antoinette was the debut, correct? Yeah. So a hell of a debut, obviously, with Sofia Coppola. Um, I'm just curious, like, do you remember in those early years, like, were there good aspects of, of modeling, of technique, of knowing your own body, et cetera, that you could apply to acting? Or was there more baggage you had to kind of, like, unlearn? I think 
it's not like I, well, listen, I'll say this. It's not like I never acted. I, you know, I did loads of drama at school. I, I used to do uh, youth theatre back in Belfast, you know, so it, it had been something that I had within me anyway and experience of. I do think there's something really um, um, useful about being in front of any sort of camera. Um, particularly, I feel, you know, for film and television acting, a lot of it is a bit of a dance with the camera sometimes and a movement. And it's not, and it's not a, it's not a. Oh, if I move here to my, this is my good side. I'm going to look better. But like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's almost the other way. It's almost like a, 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 a comfortableness that you get from being in front of the camera, where it's not weird. Particularly close up stuff. Are usually often when you're doing photo shoots and the camera's right in your face, and it's actually just being comfortable with that and right. not like you know seizing up and, yes. and you know and that that weird technique like stuff like that is important because sometimes acting is a funny game and you can turn up on set and i've seen this where um you know directors have have loved like an audition tape or whatever it is and then for someone who's like a day player and they're coming in and doing a day and then on set there's something happens to them and they freak out and they're suddenly just really um nervous and um, or uh, seemingly unprepared even though you know it's usually like a nerve thing so actually that understanding of a camera and being okay with something that is capturing you uh i think it's a is a help but then yeah. on the other side you have the whole stigma attached to this guy got his photograph taken for a living so he can't act you know uh which you're uh, battling you know and yeah. you know battling in particular in those early years um but not so much i think i feel like i battled more with that in the uk and i think in the states and the first time i came to la they're cooler about it it's more it's a that's more of a um uh it's more of a accepted pathway in than in the uk where it's all about how much um, time you spent on the boards etc and rada uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So I'm curious, you know, uh, as people probably know by now, I'm always fascinated by this, by the, by the early friend groups and the groups that like end up succeeding. It seems like you were hanging out with like the, every superhero that's now working. <laughs> it's, it's kind of insane. Um, yeah. um, I actually just did the podcast yesterday with Andrew Garfield for, for one. And I know he put your buddies with, with Redmayne and Pattinson. Um, I'm just curious, like in that group, Give me a sense of the dynamics. I'm just curious. Like, was there one that was like, okay, this is this is the one. The, the guy in this guy in the group is going to be the the big yeah. star. Like, was there an internal kind of like acknowledgement of who is going to go where? Yeah, that was Garfield. Yeah, that was Garfield. We were always. I remember when I, I I'll never forget that I uh, I met Andrew. I hadn't seen any of his work at that we were we were very young, um, and I'm a year uh, older than than Garf, but it was. Um, I think it was probably, I met Eddie 2005 uh, and I met Garth, I think later that year, maybe 2006. Um, and I hadn't seen, had Boy A came out, I'm not sure if it came out yet, but maybe it had and I, I sort of missed it or whatever. But I remember that night I was with um, Eddie and uh, a guy called Tom Sturridge, who's a good friend of ours sure. and, and, and a few other um, guys and girls. And Garth was going to come and meet us, and I didn't. And he was; they were talking about him in this way of, like, you know, Marlon Brando was about to, yeah, young Marlon Brando was about to join us, grace us with his presence. That was kind of the way it was. A bit like this guy's such an actor, and we're not really. <laughs> 
but um, you know, so I remember he came with this sort of tag of like, this guy's unbelievable, and um, he's gonna really you know make stuff happen, and you know instantly just a total goofball, accessible, slightly ridiculous person, and I, I, right. you know, but like an unbelievable talent. I mean, Garth and I have our own language. I mean, we genuinely talk to each other in a that if you're with us and and uh, it's probably quite painful to be around. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think James Corden realized that when we had us both on the show <laughs> a couple of months ago. We, we just bring out all our silliness in each other, and I, I love it. Um, but I, I think he, he, was the, he just seemed like the sure bet that was just going to make stuff happen and, and go on and do good things. And, like, you know, it, it, it took a while for all of us to find sort of the right – everyone has their own path in this and, you know, find the right thing that would break you or whatever it is. And and uh but in a weird way it kind of did it has at this point worked out for all of us and um i know that it, it that shouldn't have been the case in a way you know like we shouldn't have all you know we've all been in big franchises and you know it's kind of mad now when i think back to like being in la in like 2008 and we sincerely weren't making progress that's <laughs> <laughs> really why particularly wasn't but um, we you know, were there for a few months together where nothing was happening, right. truly nothing, you know, so, and there was no, it wasn't the writer's strike, there wasn't a pandemic. <laughs> no <laughs> excuses, just, we're not, we're, no, it's, it's a hard pass on Garfield. Yeah, <laughs> totally. No, it was mad, but, you know. So, uh, you know, I joked about this. You, you, you've obviously, you have, you, you've had your billion dollar franchise, but you haven't had your superhero role, which is kind of unusual in, in this day and age for someone that, of your ilk, that would seemingly have that. Mm-hmm. Um, is there one that like you desperately wanted? Do you, is there, is there one audition that jumps out at you for, you must've done a dozen superhero auditions, I gotta think. I sort of haven't, you know, I think almost, uh, the, I think the only one I've actually auditioned for was Superman. Um, that was way back when that's when Henry Cavill got cast um that's probably 12 years ago or something more you tell me I don't know did did you did you get the suit on did did you feel like you were actually in the running no but I wore my own suit there was that a mistake (laughs) you were your under that might have been that might have been a bad call man yeah they were superman pajamas they weren't actually (laughs) like an actual suit um no, I remember, you know, early audition for that. Um, I got nowhere near putting the suit on. Um, and I actually don't think I've been, you know, I've, I've had meetings with heads of studios that do those things and that we've talked about it, but um, I never got deep into any audition process for any of them back in the day. And I feel like now um, the last few ones, I wouldn't say there was a big audition process for, to uh, you know, too many of you know a i'm too old now for for spider-man um i remember i, I did a screen test for uh unchartered years ago oh, sure. uh, years ago when it was at, uh they were going to make it with different director and everything and then uh <laughs> and it went well and there was a point where it looked like maybe i was doing it or whatever and then um 
and then it all went quiet went away and the director <laughs> fell off and blah blah and then when i heard they were going to make it again i was like oh great and he said, oh no, no you're far too old now. <laughs> tom holland wait he could oh, be right, yeah. <laughs> <Tom laughs> there's half your age just doing it um a legitimate movie star and i was like all right okay well listen you know that ship sailed um but uh i don't i wouldn't pin like one that i yeah prefer to do it, it, if something came along, I, I'm I'm interested in, in in that world, but I'm also really happy where I am. And you yeah. know, um, they're probably not looking at you know uh, the sort of performance of Belfast and the quietness of that sort of film and thinking, let's shove a cape on that guy and throw him up into uh, a harness. But in, uh, who knows? <laughs> in, in a different respect, and I'm always fascinated by the reaction I get from different um, actors when I bring up. The name Bond. Some of them clam up. Some of them are like, I'm not going to say a fucking word to you. <laughs> I don't want to just jeopardize any chance. And some are like, Yeah, that would be amazing. Where do you fall? Like, you must have daydreamed. You've been on those lists, whether it's real or not. Um, it must be just flattering beyond words to even be on a list for for like the ultimate cool hero. <laughs> no, I think it's flattering to be on a list, sure. Um, but, but we're all on a list. You know, we're all. <laughs> on the list if you're a certain age a certain type whatever you're yeah. you're kind of on there there's been times i've been close to the top of that list and there's times i've been cl close to the what might be the bottom of the an endless list um i you know that i that that really does work with whoever has a movie that people are talking about or tv show that people are talking about right. you're, you're higher up that list or then you get people just on it all the time like I know Tom Hardy's forever on it. Killian is forever on it. You know, um, yeah, it's it's cool. I don't. I like it. You know, it it's um, it's something that I I don't give any thought to yeah. to be honest. Um, and you know, if if it came along, yeah, I mean, it would be certainly something to think about. But um, I don't think about it until I wouldn't think about it until it's. Uh, a vague reality right i'm curious okay so like you're an intelligent man mr dornan when yeah, when <laughs> when 50 shades when your franchise your potential ginormous franchise which indeed became a ginormous billion dollar franchise came around um you knew the baggage that was going to be there for mm -hmm. good or for bad you knew there was a built-in audience and it was probably going to do huge it was also going to probably and indeed was savaged by a lot of critics yeah um was there was there a tremendous amount of ambivalence? Like, were people around you, were your friends and family and agents all like, "You got to do this if the opportunity comes," or was it a, a a big kind of debate within your circle? It wasn't an instant yes um, by any means. Um, for all of the reasons you've just said, it needed to be talked through. Um, I sought counsel from friends, family, a lot of friend uh, actors. Um, what did Garfield say? What did, <laughs> let's go down the list. What did Redmates? He was too busy just swinging around New York, I think, at that, that time with his little <laughs> web hand. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's nice to have people like that in close in your life who will have an opinion and, and uh, a, a, you know, um, uh, one that, that I, that I um, think is uh, expert almost. Um, you know, I was, I sort of nearly did it and then didn't get it. Right. And I've said this before that when I didn't get it, I felt a bit of relief. 
because I was like, Jesus, that guy, poor guy, he's going to get wrecked here. <laughs> you know, um, and then he maybe felt the same. <laughs> and then suddenly there I was, and, um, but with way less time to make a decision. Yeah. I got cast five weeks before we started shooting, and my wife was 34 weeks pregnant, and uh, we had a lot of massive decisions to make very quickly. It was a crazy time now when I when I when I think about it, but yeah, you're right. Look, I knew, you know, I knew because I thought about it before when I was nearly got it the first time when Charlie got it. <clears throat> I knew that uh, it came with all that baggage, as you say, and that the reality was it was going to make a ton of money and fans were going to love it and the critics were going to despise it because that's exactly what happened with the books and we that's what we were making. We, we weren't going, well, that's a bit of a template, but we're going to do this whole different thing and change a lot of stuff about the book. We were staying very truthful to the books so we knew what that was going to be but i think movies that are made for the fans that the fans love can only be seen as a success really you know and um i'm really grateful that um both dakota and i have you know despite some pretty rough stuff said about us probably particularly me um uh with the wave to come out and we're still making work that people really like and I've had some of those uh sort of said critics do a bit of a 180 you know and yeah. particularly yeah. in the last few weeks because I've had this show in the UK that's come out and been a massive success called The Tourist that will come to the States pretty soon and uh I had a nice moment where you were talking about like friends and family saying stuff and people say it's a mistake when I got cast in 50 shades um the fall had come out got great reception being nominated for bafta all this great stuff had happened and then they announced that in 50 shades there was a, a journalist in the guardian was a big paper in the uk called lucy mangan who wrote a whole article about what a terrible career choice i'd made this before it even shot the thing <laughs> i'm there thinking jesus right okay so that's the general vibe you know um anyway lucy mangan wrote a piece last week about how it's all sort of, not that she got it wrong or whatever, but like, you know, because of Belfast and the tourist, sure. she liked them both. And maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't all the stupidest move in the world and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, which I, I did have a little, like some nice little moment reading that <laughs> article, I have to say. Because as much as you think you don't care, you kind of do, you know, you kind of do you care. Um, well, and you feel it. I'm sure you feel it, whether you're actively seeking out the reviews or not. You feel the general. Yeah, you know, I went through a phase of really actively seeking them out. And actually, I once found this thing where someone had put like all the worst things said about me from the first Fifty Shades movie into like a neat little like uh, Instagram post. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> what am I doing? Like, what? And I would look at it all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, I agreed with a lot of it. That's a sad thing. <laughs> Um, it occurs to me, I'm sitting here and I've got my, um, I think I told you this last time you were on the show when you were on Stir Crazy. I have, this is the, this is the Dakota Johnson, um, be in the butt, a uh, question mug in her did honor. You, uh, did you, I think you told me you're going to send me one. Did you? No, did, I'll get you one. You've earned it. You've earned it. <laughs> are they, no, are I, they big sellers? <laughs> we haven't sold them to, this is a, this is a hot commodity just for friends okay. and family. I'll get you one. Oh uh, no, but I'm so happy for both of you guys. I think, I feel like you both obviously like you had the right attitude that self-deprecating humor probably got you through a lot of it and i'm so happy for for both of you um 
you told you talk when you talk, I saw an interview you did with uh, your buddy Eddie Redmayne, I think about a year ago, and you talked about how it's like dangerous to have a plan, right? As an actor. Um, I mean, that being said, I look at the, the last few years as you start to do stuff after the Fifty Shades movies, and it does feel like there's some kind of plan in place, whether it's, you know, just associating with like great actors like Killian, um, yeah. with, with, with Dinklage, um, doing smaller, cool work like, like A Private War. Like, I mean, what was in your head like that coming off of that, was there a sense of like what I need to kind of show people I can do outside of something like that? Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think it's like, it's it, like it, it, I, I, it's still really hard to plan. It's almost like it's hard to plan it in a like, particularly having three kids, having to be like, right, I love this job, but it's six months and it's in right. buck two. You know, I'm going like, Jesus, um, it's so hard to plan ahead. And so there's a sense of that. And actually planning the actual work is easier when you have a choice, I've got to say. And I've been lucky now for eight years or whatever. I've had a bit of a choice of, um, the work I do and yeah of course there's a bit it's often just like what am I drawn to and maybe it is there's a sort of natural sense of like well I've just done something like this and I feel like I haven't really shown this side of myself but I love this script so it's not just I'm not doing it just to show that side of myself I really want to do it and by having that choice I've been able to make those decisions do you know what I mean yep um, and um yeah there's probably a bit of um rebuilding again based on what i'm talking about like lucy mangan's already gone a bit of like trying to prove to people um that uh i'm more than they think i am if that's all they've seen those films and stuff and i've been working away at that and, and you know i think i've made good strides in that in the last you know six months particularly um it seems like that's the constant for most any actor. And certainly in your case, I mean, this is the recurring theme. You talk about the early, you know, as you segue from modeling into acting. I mean, it's just sure. the age old story. It's just like, they sure. remember the last role or two and you just got to keep showing them. There's more to me than that. Absolutely. And there's a challenge in that that I really love. And I have always loved the challenge and I, and I will always seek out a challenge. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm up for it, you know, I'm totally up for it. And, you know, it's just a thing, you know, there's, um, there's just, a, a, yes, you have a different reason for every job you do. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel like the, the more you're working, the more consistently your work is received well, a, a plan is slightly more easier to form, but it's still essentially overall hard to, to have a firm plan of what's going to happen. Um, I, I'll, I'll end with this. Uh, I uh, asked uh, the followers of Happy Second Fused uh, for some questions. I have, I have one here from uh, Kimberly Hoover who wants to know if you hadn't become an actor, what career you would have pursued? Is there one that jumps out? I would have tried to do something in sport. Um, I've always loved sport, was very, have been very sporty. Um, I went and I think about sport a lot. I'm thinking about sport right now. I've been thinking about sport for the entire podcast. Wow. Um, wow rude. Yeah. Biscuits and sport. Oh, there he goes. He's gone. <laughs> I, see, I see his brain literally <laughs> floating away. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think a lot like I was one of those kids who watched Jerry Maguire and thought, yeah, I'm going to do that. Um, but so it would have been maybe something in sports, but I think the reality is it's quite it's sort of harder to get into than people think sport um not as hard as acting to get into but like um i probably would have become like an estate agent or something or a realtor as you as you say because where i came from you could 
drop out of university or not go to university at all and still do that to an extent and then work your way up without a degree or whatever. Um, and I felt that probably the reality of where I was headed. Yeah. Look, I mean, I it's good. Selling, it's... I could have been going around, you know, I love it when, you know, you've been showing a house and they bring you into the bathroom and say, and this is the bathroom. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I've been in the bathroom before, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you, yeah, if it, this is, yeah, they're cupboards. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not saying that's all there is to that job, but there's a lot of it is that. And I've always, always makes me laugh. Wow, you've just been canceled by the real estate industry. You've <laughs> lost that segment of your, I hope there's not a big academy demo that also sells real estate because you just fuck yourself, my friend. I'm worried, I'm worried there is. <laughs> um, congratulations on all your success, buddy. You are now a happy second fuse veteran at long last, long overdue. Um, no, truly. I mean, in, in all earnestness, uh, you know, I love your work and you're you're a good one, man. And congratulations on Barb and Star yet again, because I'll never stop thank you, congratulating you on that. And and Belfast, if you guys have not checked it out yet, um, what are you doing with your lives? This is pure <laughs> light and joy in a dark universe. You need this in your lives, guys. Um, buddy, thanks for your time. Thanks, Josh. Cheers, buddy. I appreciate it. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>